everyone, and welcome to the Rising Stars podcast. I am your host, Brianna Moriarty. Today, we have Wayne Scarcella, the Executive Vice President of Sports and Entertainment at Appetize, now spot on um, for the past six years on the podcast today. So first things first, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And as I mentioned, you guys have some pretty exciting news to share. So can you give us some more details on spot on and the recent acquisition? Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate the opportunity um, to catch up with you here. So uh, exciting news for sure. You know, we're thrilled um, to announce that we've um, joined forces with Spot On. Uh, Spot On is one of the fastest, you know, growing payment and software providers in the world, and we truly believe that with the um, platform that Appetize provides and what um, Spot On has um, built, uh, we'll. we'll really offer a um, complete system. Uh, it's interesting because uh, what uh, Spot On has to offer and what Appetize has to offer truly complement each other. They have a little bit of what we don't, we have a little bit of what they don't. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really gonna bring together uh, an extremely robust offering uh, and a platform that can scale anything from, you know, two terminals at a coffee shop all the way up to, you know, over a thousand um, point of sale terminals at a football stadium. That's you know, great. as far as, yeah. It's exciting, that's for sure. Yeah, can you tell me about some of the similarities and differences of Spot On and Appetize as separate platforms and um, kind of how you guys plan to join forces to create a new solution? Yeah, for sure. Um, so Spot On is really um, concentrated mostly on the uh, small market or SMB space. So again, going after smaller retailers, boutique shops, cafes, uh, and retail stores. Um, Appetize is really focused more on, you know, the enterprise space, meaning, you know, venues of scale or multi-operated um, uh, chain restaurants and such. Mm-hmm. So uh, Spot On does have within its um, platform the ability to uh, manage inventory as well as accounting um, and loyalty, whereas, you know, Appetize has really built a system of scale so that, you know, it can handle 100 terminals, 200 terminals, 1,000 terminals, um, in, a, in a multi, either a multi-venue deployment, like a full enterprise, or just a single standalone um, solution that's deployed at, at a one particular stadium. Okay. So give us the history of Appetize and how and when they got their start. Yep. So it's funny because, um, you know, when I signed in with the company, we were just building our point of sale. Um, we had started first in mobile and what had to happen in mobile is, you know, the mobile app had to be easy to use, um, intuitive, um, and it had to be flashy. It had to look good. And what was interesting is the way we've built our product out very much so stayed to the course of being easy to use, intuitive, um, which really helps, you know, from uh, the sports and entertainment space, because a lot of times it's seasonal employees, it's volunteers. Um, that really have little to no training so they can get on the system and use it. It also had to be very pliable and flexible. So it had to scale from, you know, one location to another. Um, it may be, you know, attending, um, you know, a concert one day and a ball game, the next game. So being able to have a system that can kind of flex and grow again, which it's just very uh, agile, like, uh, you know, the same scenario, like with a mobile app, you know, today, today we pro- provide a full omni-channel platform. It spans both food and beverage and retail um, and it also supports a vast amount of integrations that kind of expand our capabilities, you know, beyond our platform with different loyalty partners, payment providers, um, hardware providers, and so on. And then now as part of Spot On, 
you know, we can literally support everything from a major league ballpark down to, you know, a boutique uh, clothing store. Okay. So you guys are really expanding your solution to be an all-encompassing point of sale. Um, so today we're talking about the stadium of the future and, you know, the Appetize software is really a well-known name in the stadium and arena space. So how did you kind of grow so quickly in that area? And what did you offer to those customers that they were missing prior to your solution? So the, you know, the growth of Appetize really uh, took place at a time when, you know, our competitors were either not able to adapt to the changing needs of the market or simply didn't see it coming. Mm -hmm. Our solution, as an example, from day one was 100% cloud-based, um, which provides the operators with the ability to, to literally just turn on the device, log in, and conduct business. It doesn't require a heavy lift when it comes to set up, um, moving terminals around from location to location. Um, and again, it doesn't, it doesn't provide or it doesn't require anything on-premise outside of that point-of-sale terminal. That's really the fundamental of why our, our product is so pliable and easy to use. On the other side of it, I think, you know, our culture at, at Appetize, you know, this is, this is something that we also share with Spot On and, and why it proved to be a perfect fit. Um, we believe in our clients first. Um, mm -hmm. Our employees are extremely important to us. And we, we just think that the culture that we have within Appetize and now obviously with Spot On, it's just going to continue um, to kind of, you know, grow and go in that, in that direction. So one is the, the product has to be, you know, pliable, easy to use, reliable, of course. Um, but the team that's supporting the platform and the solutions that are being, you know, deployed within the field also, you know, have to be strong and, and able to provide. Absolutely. So I imagine that, you know, the past, almost two years now, um, 2020 and 2021 might have been a little tough for you guys with the pandemic putting a bit of a halt on um, live sporting events and concerts. Um, can you tell me about how this impacted your business and what you guys were able to do to overcome it? Yeah, I mean, COVID, you know, absolutely impacted our entire industry and quite honestly still is in some ways. Um, and I'll get to that in, in a minute. But, you know, during the initial onset, you know, as a company, we had to step back just like every other, you know, business in this market and assess how our products can adapt and change, you know, to, you know, the new normal uh, and moving more from, you know, just being cashless to being actually touchless as far as the technology goes. Um, at Appetize, you know, we kind of got lucky in a way. We, we, by design, have always lived by a short roadmap, meaning we have about 90 days that is firm uh, when it comes to engineering, planning and development. Uh, we obviously have a vision well beyond 90 days, but it allows us to pivot without impacting the rest of our development plans. And exactly what it is exactly what happened um, as COVID, you know, came into play. So as everybody was kind of building toward the new normal, we had already gotten somewhat of a jumpstart on that. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what's interesting, uh, most recently, as you've seen, you know, I think everybody feels like we're past um, you know, full COVID at this point, you're seeing stadiums that are full capacity. Um, but the, the newer challenge has been labor shortages. Which right. We'll, again, we'll touch on here in a little bit because you've always looked at the technology to drive ROI, reduce line times, increase cart. All of those are still important. But now the challenge that we're facing is, is the labor shortage, which just requires, you know, more self-checkout, uh, more mobile options and, and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, in my 
knowledge of Appetize and um, your technology, you guys have been working to kind of solve almost that later labor shortage before it even happened um, by kind of supplementing stadium employees with technology, um, ordering in your seat, or um, like you said, self self checkout. So, you know how how is the future of stadiums and arenas really changing? Yeah. So, you know, as I mentioned, even, even though we're making it out of the pandemic, we're, we're still challenged with that labor shortage. And what we're seeing is either new stadiums being designed with more self-service in mind and uh, the existing stadiums going through renovations and trying to determine how they could somewhat um, renovate to make the, the existing uh, stands and concession areas um, adapt to more, more and more self-service. So you're seeing the counter space being used more for pickup versus, you know, point of sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, cashless is the, you know, the other obstacle that, that someone went, went away is people p- simply just don't want to handle cash and money anymore. Um, this is a huge time-saving um, benefit for the operators. It also minim- minimizes risk. So as you can imagine, in a football stadium that has, again, you know, a thousand terminals, um, the cash room, you know, they're, they're going till two, three in the morning, trying to count all the money mm-hmm. by going to cashless, you're reducing, you know, the end of night by at least two hours. So you're seeing one, the venue kind of molding into more, um, self-service self-checkout and mobile, you know, changing those stands to somewhat of a hybrid model, where if it was eight terminals pre COVID, maybe it's only four terminals today. And the other half is being used for mobile orders or self-checkout. And we're seeing both old and new venues that are, are literally revamping their stands or looking to accommodate these methods uh, and it's working. Okay. So what are some of the actual technologies that stadiums need in order to evolve to this self-service or mobile um, first kind of mindset? I think, you know, first is, is you have to look at things from an operational point of view. You have to look, look at, um, you know, the space, can it accommodate one, the technology, but two, the traffic. It's interesting because um, a point of sale, if you think about it, it's somewhat governed how fast or how many orders can be sent to the line because mm-hmm. it's, it's one person place in one order. Self-service does the same thing. Um, when it comes to mobile, you could have 10, 15 orders coming to that kitchen or that line at the same time. So the first thing you need to do is look at the space that's available, the size of the kitchen and determine more or less what your traffic is going to be from an order perspective. And then of course, the areas that you're going to have people stand and wait for their orders. You want to make sure that that's going to be an area that can accommodate, you know, the, the folks that are going to need to be there. Okay. I want to get a little deeper into this self-service versus mobile in the stadium space. Um, I think in our kind of industry, we look at self-service as a kiosk. You go up and order and you're still waiting um, for your food, whereas mobile is a little more obvious. You can sit in your seat and not miss the game and order your food, which I imagine would increase the amount of sales that are happening in the stadium. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of people that want another beer or want some some food to snack on, but don't want to miss a important part of the game or the concert that they paid a lot of money to see. So tell me about, you know, how the two, I guess, would, um, 
impact the sales of the stadium overall, what you think might be more effective. Because when I think about self-service in the standard kiosk way, um, you know, it still kind of gives you the issue of a lot of people crowding around, a lot of people missing um, the event that they paid money to see. So tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, it goes back to my earlier comment around, you know, looking at things from an operational point of view, you do have to provide, in my opinion, you have to provide uh, multiple options. Mm-hmm. One for the traditional buyer, right? Somebody who is willing to stand in line um, and look at the menu and, and place an order. Secondly, then you look at the self-service. And then third, you look at the mobile aspect. Um, as an example, you know, hawking or vending has been around for ever and a day in the stadiums, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're typically used to seeing somebody walking up and down the aisle and, um, you know, trying to sell off either Bud or Bud Light as an example. Um, what we've seen in that space, just in general, just using that as a good example is um, for a period of time, it was moving from cash to credit. And that became a bit of a stumbling point because you've got somebody who's sitting mid, mid row. It's difficult to pass a credit card or a credit card reader down to that guest, you know, when they're sitting center in the section. So what we've moved to is a virtual hawker or vendor now. So a QR code can literally be on the back of the seat in front of you. It could be on a menu, it could be on the cup holder, it could be a, a, just a card. And what happens is the fan can pick, out, uh, pick up their phone, hit that QR code, and literally just order Bud or Bud Light. The vendor or the hawker will now have a t- tablet device or a phone that acts as a kitchen display, will give that vendor an alert to say that, okay, section 212, row four, seat six, just ordered two Budweiser's and paid for them. So that hawker no longer has to exchange cash, credit, or anything. It's already been paid for, gratuity included. They just need to deliver the beer. That's probably the most, I would say, the simplistic way of looking at in-seat service, kind of taking the old world of how vendors and hawkers used to work, blending in technology and making it much more efficient. That way, the fan never misses, like you said, the fan never misses a a play. Uh, You're efficiently getting the product down to the guest. Um, there's no stumbling points of a credit card or anything like that. That's probably one of the easiest things to kind of explain as we're going through some of the transition of the, you know, the the pre-new normal to now. Definitely. Well, I have a couple follow-up questions, but first we're just going to take a really quick break to talk about Star's cloud print technology. If there's one thing we all know, it's that online ordering is here to stay, but it might just surprise you how easy it can be for businesses to take advantage of online ordering services. With Star's cloud print technology, the process is crazy simple, no extra tablet, software, or SSL certificates needed. The cloud-connected Star printer communicates directly with the server to automatically pull online orders on a regular interval. It's as easy as that. No more lost orders, no more hardware cluttering up precious counter space. So to learn more about Star Cloud Print Technology, visit starmicronics.com today. All right, so we've talked a little bit about not only cashless payments, but touchless um, payments, moving to that contactless. And something I've seen, and um, I'm sure you guys have seen it as well, is um, more of the RFID wristbands being used um, for the future of payment for concert venues. Um, I haven't seen it quite used in sports ben- venues yet, but tell me about how you guys are helping to power this effort. Yeah, great question. So this this further supports my you know my previous point around being frictionless, right? When it comes to payment, um, in a way, RFID technology is really not new. 
or newer. It's mm -hmm. something we've been using um, in quite a few festivals, to be honest with you. And it really gives the fan the ability to attend a multi-day event um, and not have to carry a wallet, a purse, or even their phone. It, it acts as their access to the event. So the ticketing agencies are moving more to digital platforms now so that RFID band can get you in the event. It can also have value. You can add value to it. So it becomes your, your one device that gets you in the building and allows you to order food. So it allows you to free flow, you know, not just for that one day of the event, but it could be two or three days, depending on what that festival is. Absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I recently went to a festival where they had the RFID wristbands and, you know, for a woman that doesn't want to carry a purse, it was a lifesaver. Um, yep. However, you know, I was surprised by the amount of people still pulling out their cards and cash. So what do you think is going to be the big push to that type of transition? And do you just see it right now for festivals and multi-day mm -hmm. events, or do you see it kind of adapting to sporting events as well, or um, those you know, smaller, um, less long type of events. Yeah. I'd say you're going to see it more in the festival space than you will in a stadium or an arena. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a couple points on that. Uh, what I am seeing is just like the ticketing agencies basically forcing fans to go to all digital, as you can imagine, that probably had some pushback. You're starting to see uh, more and more venues get a little bit bullish with, you know, how they're going to allow you to place orders or what, what you're going to be required to do to place orders. Um, and some of that's for the safety of the actual employees as well. It's not just all about making it, you know, easier for them or frictionless, but it, it's, it's a combination of both. Um, I think when you look at wristband technology, it's perfect for the festival events, but what happens in most stadiums and arenas are there are layers of other components that come into play like loyalty, stored value, and different elements that would kind of expand beyond that wristband and, and more move into like mobile wallets with your cell phone with a QR code. So I kind of see the wristband technology is, is really living within that festival space. But when you start looking inward to, uh, you know, a stadium or arena, it's probably going to be something that lives on a QR code that you'll see more often. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, something that just kind of, you know, sparked an interest in your previous response was the loyalty aspect, which I, I don't really think about uh, much as a consumer because I don't frequent sports games <laughs> as often as others. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of people that are buying tickets to every home game of their um, favorite team or buying season tickets. So tell me about how you your technology and solution allows for that loyalty component for those repeat guests in an area where repeat guests might be a little less common. Right. Yeah. So um, season ticket holders, there's a variety of, variety of ways in which loyalty can work. Um, and I guess a little bit unique about Appetize is we're a bit agnostic there. We work with at least a dozen different loyalty and store value providers because typically, um, you know, the team is interested in looking at something all the way from um, sponsorship to marketing to loyalty and everything in between, payment included. Um, so when you look at a season ticket holder, depending on what package you purchase, as an example, you may buy the, you know, the premium package that um, also gets you a 10% discount on anything you purchase. So you're going to earn points when you buy, but you can also redeem value as part of that program and qualify for a discount. So the loyalty package in itself could be three or four layers of different program rules that apply depending on that, that particular package that's been purchased. 
You can also sell off tickets. So on a Tuesday afternoon ball game, um, you know, you may, you may send a um, campaign out as an example to anybody who's been to the stadium once or twice. So you can try to sell off those tickets, um, you know, at a discounted rate as well. Those are just a couple okay. of examples, I think, of, you know, how the loyalty platforms work in, you know, the stadium market itself. Yeah, very interesting. Um, so I want to go back to the order from anywhere um, becoming kind of a big trend. We talked about how it would obviously help improve the sales of the stadiums, but with the labor shortage, you know, how, how can stadiums keep up with the amount of orders or the increased orders that might be coming in? Um, you know, anyone that's been to a sports game or a concert and try to get a drink or food knows that even with the wait times in between customers of taking the order, you might be waiting for a while. So when you think about it, like sitting in your seat mm -hmm. and having thousands and thousands of fans, um, all ordering their drinks and food at once, how does the stadium, you know, kind of keep up with that demand? Yep. So a couple of things, um, one is, you know, you have to have the ability to manage, uh, the kitchen, right? So, there's throttling that comes into play. And what I mean by that is you can actually govern the amount of orders that are coming in every 15 minutes as an example. So you could send a message to the guests as they're trying to place an order um, that their approximate wait time is X. Um, so this way you can kind of govern um, how many orders can come into queue um, and it'll slowly gradually tell the guests a little bit longer, a little bit longer as that queue gets more and more full. Mm -hmm. um, secondly is providing clear communication when the order is placed, approximately how long it's going to be before the order is ready. And then of course, when the order is ready for pickup or if you're delivering it to the seat. Um, the other thing that, that we've done is we've introduced an order status board. As good as the communication is and text messaging and SMS, um, sometimes you, you can't tell where you are in line. And that's what an order status board will do for you. So okay. you just kind of envision a 60 inch, you know, flat screen TV and you can see your name and where you are in line. So you know that, okay, well, I'm number 15 in line. Uh, I'm going to go buy something else from a different location and come back when my order's ready. So I think number one is, you know, making sure that the kitchen or the fulfillment area has a way of governing the amount of orders that can come in, clear communication back to the guests and eventually letting them know where to go to pick it up. It's just all about, you know, clear communication. Yeah, I'm sure that definitely makes for a better customer experience rather than maybe spending 30 minutes waiting in line and waiting for your food order to be ready, saying, you know, I'm going to place the order right now. And in 30 minutes, I can get up and go grab it. And, you know, it'll only take me away from the game for a five minute period rather than, you know, that full 30 minutes. So I kind of just want to wrap things up by talking about, um, Appetizes partnerships in the channel. So can you tell me about the value of your channel partnerships and how they've helped Appetize to get to where they are today? Yeah. And, you know, as you can imagine, things went from first gear to fifth gear pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, as, as we all looked forward to coming out of COVID, um, you know, we had to ramp up pretty quickly. Um, and it was amazing, like how many venues turned the lights on and, and started opening their doors and you know, blowing the dust off the terminals. And of course we had little to no runway to work with. Um, and a lot of times, you know, some of that technology was neglected in that period of time that it wasn't used. So we were, you know, dealing with a ton of orders coming in for, you know, additional equipment or replacement equipment, um, you know, tack on the global chip shortage and, and you nearly got a perfect storm coming at you. Mm -hmm. So it's important to know that, you know, having a partner like Blue Star, who, you know, has always been able to work with us 
you know, in a pinch, you know, whether that be overnighting something, um, providing us, you know, uh, different opportunities to source equipment, you know, whatever the challenge is, it's important to know that you can rely on a, on a channel partner that can kind of bend and flex the way we do as it's the one thing, you know, at Appetize that we've, you know, really pride ourselves on is we don't say no, we, we, mm -hmm. we really will accommodate, we'll bend over backwards, we'll send people out in a pinch, we'll parachute people and whatever is needed. We wouldn't be able to do that unless we had a strong channel partner, because a lot of times it does require the hardware component of, you know, solving for whatever the problem is. Yeah, absolutely. And outside of just the hardware, um, you know, are you guys currently looking for additional channel partners? And if so, what kind? I know you guys recently, you know, partnered with um, Spot On. So that's a mm -hmm. huge kind of partnership. Um, but what other type of channel partners are you looking for? You know, honestly, some of that is yet to be determined and some of the fun of exploring, um, you know, our new partnership with Spot On. But, you know, as the way I see it today, I think, um, you know, Blue Star has provided, you know, top-notch service for us as an example. And, you know, I feel like that's, you know, where we're going to stay. Okay, great. So, you know, to really wrap things up, what would you say makes Appetize now spot on a rising star? I, I think first and foremost is, you know, we've always been known to be a, a responsive, nimble partner, meaning, you know, everybody, as good as they plan, whatever the event is, whatever the day is, for whatever reason, it changes. And we're just by nature, I don't know if it's our DNA, we just thrive in those environments. We, we really find ways to get it done. It could be, you know, the network, the infrastructure that's challenging us. It could be that short runway that I was speaking to. Um, it can be an event that changes course, uh, last minute menus that come up. Um, I, I would say that, you know, the trueness of our partnership was spot on is based on that same premise that they've built a really strong um, foundation of that exact um, core competency that you have to have the right people to build the right products, deliver and support. So Definitely. I guess that's the best way to wrap that. <laughs> yeah. And are there any other trends that we haven't already touched on that you're seeing either in the stadium mm -hmm. and venue space today or in other any other markets that you guys work in? Yeah, I, I mean, you're, you know, kiosk or self-service has been there for several years now. Um, what you're seeing now are grocery style checkouts. And this is interesting uh, from a concept perspective as well, because you're seeing new stadiums be, being built with almost like the 7-Eleven setup where you can go in and browse shelves of product, um, purchase it at a grocery style shelf checkout. Um, you're seeing the Amazon Go concept, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, you're seeing more of that technology. Most recently, what's come to play, believe it or not, is cryptocurrency. So you're starting to see more and more um, conversations around self-checkout, autonomous checkout, frictionless payments, and even cryptocurrency right now. That's really interesting. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for your time today and sharing your insight with us. Um, where can our listeners connect with you further if they have any questions or want to partner, learn more about Appetize or Spot On? Yeah, yeah perfect. I think the easiest thing to do is just you know send an email to sales at appetize.com. All right, perfect. And for Star Micronics, you guys know where to find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can visit our website at starmicronics.com. Thank you so much, Wayne. All right, thank you.